0: Hey team, it's Ando here. 2022 is a big year for Australian rugby, and we at Pick and Drive Rugby want to be in the thick of it, but we need your support. We want to attend post-match press conferences to ask your questions. We need more interviews with players and coaches to give you the insights that you want into the game they play in heaven. And we want better recording equipment to create a superior listening experience for you. If you like what we do, and let's be honest, even if you don't, please consider getting involved in sending us a tip. All donations will be put straight back into the podcast. We do this for love, not money, but every little bit counts. So please go to ko fi and slash rugby. You can give us $1, you can give us 5 whatever is within your budget, we would be incredibly appreciative for. Thank you for your support. Let's get back to the pod. Australia! Quay Cooper for the win!
1: It's on its way! It's on its way! It's gone! Quay Cooper is the man!
2: Hi there and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, where diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real family-friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Oh yeah! I'm your host, Mitch. I'm joined by Ando, my regular co-host, and we've also got hello, a guest hello. with us. Hello, oh, hello. Ando, please, I'm, I'm introducing our guest first, Mate, and we'll we come back to you. we pause
0: every time after we say the names, and this week you're like, "No, I'm just going to keep talking." I'm just going to keep going. What's going, going on I'm just here? Keep
2: going, uh, okay. Because right. we've got someone more exciting than you this week, Ando. Fair We're enough. joined by yeah. Brumby royalty, Joey Hoey, down from Canberra. How are you, Joe? Going well, thanks guys. Happy to be here and pretty stoked that
3: I get to watch semifinals next week with the team involved.
2: The only one in Australian rugby at the moment that can legitimately say their team right. is There's still p- in a fight. <laughs>
0: There's plenty
2: of room on the bandwagon.
0: Oh, trust me, I've I've on that bandwagon. I'm there. Um, Well, Joe, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, mate. What we might do is let's track through the social platforms first. So everybody, you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Pick and Drive Rugby and we'll come up. Now, I want to move on to the Super Brew Yellow Cat because things are spicing up as we get to the penultimate round of rugby. So let's start off with the round results. Congratulations, Ev for your yellow cap result with 7.33 points, the bonus points being the only thing that separates him from the pack. Lots of people on seven, lots of people on 6.5 as well for the round. So congratulations to Simon Nelson, one of the uh, fans of the pod, Western Force fan, who came on a few weeks back. He was on 6.5, so was I, but I just don't want to mention that. Um, And for the leaderboard, it is incredibly tight. We have SDC on 102.33, Kirano on 101, and Dan Mori on 99.75. So really any of the top uh, three or four are well in the race to be winning the competition and to get their name inscribed engraved upon the pick and drive rugby super brew shield i think what's
2: gonna be really difficult for these players at the top now is that we've got the semi-finals we've got two weeks to go semi-finals this week grand final next week uh and out of the two games this coming weekend i think most people are pretty confident in what way they're going to go so it's really going to come down i guess the blues brumbies will be um a little bit more hard Probably to say so, than the other one. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that in our previews. But it will really mm. come down to that margin point, which is going
0: to be really difficult to get. Yeah, and that's that's really the big thing here. So the margins will be the differentiator. But good luck to everybody who is at the pointy end of the team or of the competition. Uh, unfortunately, we're not there. Rev is doing pretty well still, up in sixth. Uh, so we'll in see the top if he can, He's He's in the top ten and he's keeping us... Uh, giving us a bit of pride and giving us a bit of legitimacy within this competition. So thank you. Mitch, what are we going to be talking about tonight?
2: Fantastic. So we did have the super rugby Pacific quarterfinals this weekend. So we will go through those four games and uh, review them and chat through some of the talking points that came out of it. We'll then move into the super rugby semi-finals that are happening this coming weekend, do a little bit of a preview and maybe uh, predict who we think, is going to win each game and what the final will look like the week after. We then had lots of questions and comments come into the locker room, so we'll then dive into that and answer all of your questions. Now, one thing we did want to shout out now, it is as time of recording, Sunday night in Sydney. uh, Tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon, really, 12.30, I think it kicks off, is the Wallaroos are playing their first test of the Pacific 4 Series. So by the time we go to air or whenever you're listening to this, the game's either being played this afternoon or has been played. It is live on Stan Sport, so do get around the Wallaroos. Really, really big test for them against New Zealand. Um, and, yeah, we wish them all the, all the best from us at Pick and Drive and we'll be waving our Wallaroos flags and tuning in at 12.30 tomorrow.
0: Very exciting. It's going to be over in New Zealand. The whole competition is going to be based there. Uh, so make sure you tune in or catch the replay and support the team on all the socials to let them know that their are fans cheering them on. Why don't we get into the show, team? Let's go. Let's go. Sounds good. We move now to our dissection of the quarterfinals of Super Rugby Pacific, and we're going to start off with the Crusaders versus the Reds over in Christchurch and Honestly, this game, uh, the result really didn't surprise. The Crusaders running away 37 to 15 victors. The end result, in my mind, probably did a little bit of a disservice to the Reds that it was definitely an improved performance from last yeah. week. Um, when we when we look at this, Joe, what were the immediate takeaways that you had of the Reds' performance at the end of this game? Uh, I, it was definitely better than the week before, but I just...
3: Watching it, I think the frustrating bit, and I'm sure it must be for Reds fans, is just the inconsistencies around the set piece. Mm. Obviously, missing Teniela Tupo is a big loss for the scrum, but I mean, you'd hope that the guys that you're bringing in can still create a solid foundation for that work. But the line-out work for me was the bit that sort of stood out. It was like sometimes they'd hit a target and then sometimes they'd miss and... The line-out these days is so important for launching your attacking plays. And we saw when they did get clean line-out ball, we got that amazing try Mm. for Dalgunu. So, I mean, when they got it right, it really laid a good platform for them. But then they'd overthrow or they'd underthrow or the ball, it just wouldn't work. And it's really hard, particularly against a really good team like the Crusaders when you're making those sort of mistakes and you can't get your basics right. Um, So that was was an interesting...
0: And that was an interesting point because the, part of the pre-game chat was about the inclusion of Liam Wright instead of Fraser McWright. And the thought was that Liam Wright had been brought into the team in order to help solidify the line out because he's a, he's a jumping um, seven as opposed to McWright, who's not. And that was... Of, that didn't play out on the night, and I think there's going to be some challenging reviews in terms of how the lineout functioned, yeah. and whether or not it was a thrower's responsibility, whether or not it was Ryan Smith who was calling. But I think throughout the game there were just so many inaccuracies from the Reds. You look at the penalty count, and it is sixteen to eight against the Reds. What do you think of that, Mitch? Did you think it was uh, biased refereeing performance (laughs) or simply the pressure the Crusaders were putting on forcing the Reds into mistakes?
2: Oh, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later in the the locker room. I've seen some loaded questions come in in regards to penalties and New (laughs) Zealand referee bias. So we won't get into it too early. Um, But yeah, when you look at the lopsided penalty count, 18 to six, watching the game, it didn't feel like The queensland reds were particularly more um susceptible to giving away penalties and the the crusaders were i think a lot of the penalties actually came from set piece and that scrum yeah the scrum scrum resets um a few times there were just simple things that weren't going wrong uh, were going wrong for the reds or of engaging too early on the on the set piece or pushing before the balls in and the referee really got fed up with it towards the end and just started to blow full arm penalties instead of giving resets or short arms and so Uh, That was one of the areas where they just seemed to really get on the wrong side of the referee and started to leak those penalties. And, And from that point on, they just weren't able to get quite back into the game when one of their major set pieces were just going backwards.
0: One of the things that really did uh, improve from last week was their attack. I mean, the the first try to Soliasa Vunavalu was just a fantastic counter-attack off a Crusaders overthrow. Excellent hands from Harry Hooper at the back to spread it wide, Jordi Pataya entering the line from Pace, an excellent finish from Vunavalu. And it was just good to be able to see them capitalise on opportunities. But by and large they seem to have a bit more fluency within their attack. Um, Joe, do you have any idea of uh, what you think that can be put down to? Uh, oh, I don't know why
3: it would have happened. I'd say there's they've always got that in them. Like They've got strike players across the board that can use the ball. Like they're Of the Australian teams, I think they are the best offloading team. They've got players that can – all players, 1 through 15, can use the ball really well. That's their strong point. Um, so it's not surprising to do that. It's exciting to see Vunavalu and that get some space. That's really cool. And you kind of wish you'd see more of it. Um, we well, we got the opportunity to see more of it, but I don't know what it's down to. Maybe it's just they had a really good week in preparation, new like settled team. Like I don't think that I think they probably knew who was starting in the back line from day one during the week, maybe. So that probably helped a bit rather than shopping and changing. Yep. A bit, but, I mean, as, uh, you wouldn't know. I mean, they, but they do have those sort of players that are just good. at that. That's that's their their strong point,
0: I would suggest, yeah. Looking at this game then, Mitch, who are the players that stood out for you uh, across both the Crusaders and the Reds?
2: Oh, I mean, if we start on the Crusaders, uh, like 1 to 15, really. I mean, <laughs> no, um Richie Mawanga, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. Severy Reese was involved in, I think, three or four key pivotal moments for the Crusaders just popping up in areas and making the right decision at the right time. I think he took that quick tap um, on the Crus- on the Reds line at one point that ended up resulting in a try. Like he just he was involved in most of the lead ups to all the points that the Crusaders were scoring. So that that was really great to see. On the Reds side, Sulia Sivunovalu, Filippo Dalgunu, both wingers were, were really I would say involved. Um they're their two tries were quite individualistic though. Like <clears throat> When we compare mm. how the Crusaders built momentum and and put the Reds under pressure and forced them into giving away penalties and then just worked their way down the field, the Reds were really scoring off um, individual mistakes St- from the Crusaders. Strike players. Yeah, the strike mm. players. They weren't able to really punish the Crusaders and put them under a lot of pressure. That try to Dalgunu was off some good set piece play from the line out, but he pretty much just got through the back line, a hole that was very that uncharacteristic.
3: Was, uh, Lester fight, uh, Leicester, yeah, Fiango. yeah. Fiango. Nuku, Nuku was, made a really poor decision, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I saw some analysis on Twitter somewhere where it was weird, like you're saying, of oh, a try, but focusing on how good uh, Josh – well, is it Jack or Josh? Whichever one plays centre for the Crusaders, the good Hugh. Jack, yep. good Jack, yep. yeah. Did it like how good his defensive mind was because he's like, that was a really poor read. Like he was already signalling where the play was going, but Lester ignored him, yeah. and then but he started covering him, but he just didn't have the gas to do it. Yeah, yeah. Which is
0: interesting because Lester actually had a pretty incredible game in attack. He had 11 runs for 113 meters, two clean breaks, four defenders beaten, and so those are those are big numbers by anybody's standards. And I wonder if maybe because he's been caught out. I mean, okay, we're talking about a Crusaders team that's obviously won convincingly, but I'm just saying across the season, uh, Fahenga Nuku has been immense in attack, but there have been a couple of times where he's been caught out defensively. And I wonder if that maybe is why we haven't seen him as much, well, haven't seen him within the Kiwi or the New Zealand or the All Black jersey and whether that might be the thing holding him back and somebody like George Bridge, who's considered to be more um, more a, a safe option Might be somebody that gets, yeah, well-rounded. Might well be the person to get the pick there. But either way, when we look at this game, again, 37 to 15, convincing win to the Crusaders. Um, Whilst the Reds were brave in their defeat, they gave away far too many penalties, gave the Crusaders far too many opportunities on on the Reds' defensive line. And the Crusaders are just too good to not take those opportunities that you provide. Uh, so we might shift across if that's all right. I just wanted to quickly cause...
2: say before we moved off this, this, there there was a lot to like from this Queensland Reds team when we consider the fact that they still had l- large impact players like most of the season out injured. Taniel Tupou, Tupo, James O'Connor, um, small minutes from Paisami as well. I think he only got on the 60th minute or something. Um, but to consider that in the 57th minute, it's 21-15. They were doing well yeah. for that amount of time 57 minutes yep. to stay within touching distance of the crusaders yeah. it was only then once they they uh richie mo, uh, yeah richie mo scored that try in the 57th 58th minute and that's when sort of the elastic broke and they just sort of ran away with it and from there some some key pl- uh, players coming off for the reds and some more inexperience coming back on um mm. that's when things sort of started to get away from them tate mcdermott went off injured as well not long after that but uh, for the most mm. part, I think we were expecting a 50-point drumming for the Crusaders from how they played last week. So there has yep. there are some good things to to look forward to to next year. Some good performances. They were able to keep with the Crusaders for a long time in this game, but just without those big injury and those big impact players like Tupou and James O'Connor, we probably realistically can't expect them to beat the Crusaders at home.
3: Yeah, that's- I think that's yeah. Those injuries stop them pushing over against the really good teams i think so yeah, and, yeah. and i
0: think what it, what it also just um underscores is the challenge of depth within the aussie aussie super yeah. teams where um when we have a full strength 23 yeah we can take any team um we may not always win but it's going to be a close and competitive encounter the majority of the time um whereas when when we have those key injuries to key players we just don't have the depth um, within teams So you see like the Waratahs having to pull in Ed Craig who's literally a teacher Playing for Eastwood um, And he he steps in, did a good job Don't get me wrong, he threw a good line out But my point is that the Crusaders are just able to call upon uh, And many of the Kiwi teams Are able to call upon a far more experienced Base of players They're literally to able to bring in. on all blacks We're yep, bringing exactly.
2: on second grade or first grade Shoot shield players to replacement They're bringing <laughs> on all blacks Like, yep, it's Again, yep. a bit of reality check there
0: All right, let's move to game two. So Chiefs versus the Waratahs, line: 39 to 15. It was a pretty devastating end to the game. Again, it wasn't, in my mind, a reflection of the closeness of the encounter. But unfortunately, what we're seeing is the ability of the Kiwi teams to put away an opposition in the dying moments of the match. So full credit to the Chiefs. They played incredibly well. And the Waratahs, if I'm just to quickly summarize it, were in many ways overawed by the occasion and gave away far too many unforced errors with dropped ball and little mistakes, which the chiefs were good enough to capitalize on and run away with the game. Mitch, how's that as a summary for the match?
2: Yeah, that sums up things pretty nicely. I mean, when we look at uh, the way that they've played this season, there's some really, really big performances they've put out that game against the Crusaders um, a few weeks ago at Leichhardt Oval. But, uh, the game against the Hurricanes, a bit of a game of two halves there, but they've shown in those games that they're capable of really dictating things and and playing that sort of up tempo Kiwi style of football that really makes them puts them under pressure. Unfortunately, this was not the game that that set piece or that game plan came out. They, by a lot of a lot of those younger players particularly, looked a little bit rattled or a little bit nervous. Um, Tane Edmed uncharacteristically missed a lot of shots at goal in this game. And I think if he had kicked some of those points, we're looking at a closer scoreline and the Waratahs are probably able to keep that scoreboard pressure on the Chiefs and keep with them longer into the game. So um, it's it's unfortunate that a, a young player like Ed Med, who has had such a great season, wasn't able to finish it off and put in a really good performance in the quarterfinal. But I think realistically, when you look at the... The uh, amount of experience that these players have this season, and the amount of game time they've they've played, um, it's not surprising that they go to Hamilton with a quick turnaround, expecting to play the the Brumbies last week after the game against the Blues, and and really sort of aren't able to put in a solid performance.
0: Joe, is Paddy Ryan the worst signing the Waratahs made this season? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so who is?
3: I don't know, but that's a bit harsh. He is, no, he let's just, let's look at it though. In the on last... performance, he's probably not done go. himself any favours. Yeah. But <laughs> <Yep>. no, prawn Paddy.
0: I know that's um, harsh. It's not true. Yeah, he's he's um, a good servant to the Waratahs. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> he was. He was. He, he, yeah, he was probably a net negative, but that's happens sometimes. It's hard. <laughs> Yeah, he's been caught in a couple of uh, unfortunate circumstances. I just feel that um, it's actually not really Paddy Ryan's fault. Again, it's that thing I was just saying about the Reds, where we just lack the depth within the squad to be able to compete. And so, whilst Harry Johnson Holmes and Angus Bell were doing well within the game when they eventually needed to come off, we just don't have uh, people that are competing for that starting position within the front row. It's, it's the front row and, and then a massive amount of gap between our bench players. And that's that's really disappointing. Does anybody know why Parekhie was pulled? I didn't see this. Parekhie was pulled pre-game?
2: Uh, I think oh. he was named with the intention of playing and they were giving him more game time. Like in the press conference last week, he said that he had some neck injuries and that's why he came yeah, off against okay. the Blues. I think yeah. they were hoping that he would pull up and be ready to play, but then... Maybe okay. retwinged it in the warm-up. I'm not too sure, but it was a it yep. was a late pulling.
3: Given your depth issues, do you think there might have been some merit? Like, I think one of the things that maybe they stumbled across upon as a bit of a idea may have been to sort of stagger your bench a bit, kind of like the yeah. Reds tried to do. So mm. rather than say have Paddy Ryan come off the bench and have to do something, maybe he's not quite chase a game, that's not his go. He's like not going to, you know, but he's a good like rock to center a scrum around and just do his set-piece job. Like do you maybe start him, have Harry Johnson Holmes come off the bench Mm. with a bit more like dynamic impact later in the game? Yeah. um, And stagger it so that you don't lose that impact because like you say, the bench and the finishing is really important, but it's one of those... It's one of you those things it, that's that hard. I think
2: uh, DC has been struggling with this season that we yeah. saw that game against the Highlanders a few weeks ago where they did have uh, Paddy Ryan, uh, Ned Hannigan, uh, Gamble, Gamble I think as well also came off, off the bench. bench and so those yeah. players were given, yeah. were given shorter getting, minutes yeah, to try and on. preserve them for the season but it actually ended up being one of the determining factors in them getting the that injury. Yeah. Um, and then I think at the same time, though, he doesn't want to allow the Crusaders or the New Zealand teams to get a really big run-up against them early if they put some of their more inexperienced starters on. Um, I think yeah, I, I understand just, what he's saying. Why I was just maybe thinking like
3: it. you could do something like Ryan could start HJH on the bench. You could start Sinclair yeah. and have and have Gamble on the bench with Hennigan on the side maybe or something like that. And it's not that different a side. You get a bigger pack you can i don't know and then you get the dynamic impact of Charlie coming on you know after 55 or something like that for Sinclair and Ned moves into the second row and that sort of stuff like it's not a big shift but
0: yeah it no it just I, gives I you a bit of a push it. later i don't know just Definitely. just trying to be a bit
3: creative to try and overcome maybe because if you play it straight maybe it just doesn't quite work you do yeah, run out of what we, cards we did to keep playing
2: that they didn't have that push or that punch off the bench and um it's unfortunate that Paddy Ryan did come on and have such a negative impact on the flow of the game. And in some crucial moments, he was dropping the ball or giving away silly penalties. In fact, he it, wasn't it, the only one. Yeah, he, No, he wasn't, yeah, he but was. It, it was in key moments. Yeah. The Waratahs yeah. were within striking distance of the Chiefs, hot on attack in the five-meter line, and oh, yeah. in the five-meter, and he drops a yeah. cold. Um, in some ways, he's done that for the last two, three weeks for the Waratahs. He hasn't come on and put in massive performances, I would have potentially liked to have seen maybe Ruan Smith come on and replace Patty Ryan. That, yeah, um, maybe. Um, one of one of the areas I'll just though. quickly
0: jump in is, like, we, we, we can definitely point to a lot of the inaccuracies, of Waratahs as a key factor in their defeat in this match. And a lot of that can in can be allocated or ascribed to the lack of experience of some of the players, maybe a lack of depth, as we've been talking about, in terms of player quality coming off the bench. Um, but I think a big part of it needs to be allocated to the Chiefs and the quality of the defensive pressure that they placed upon the Waratahs, particularly at the breakdown. And so they were just hammering almost every breakdown, putting players in, disrupting yeah. the ball, much like what we saw the Blues do, um, the Brumbies, do against the Hurricanes, actually, in terms of the quality of the defensive effort. The Chiefs were excellent within this match and really, really deserved the win, largely from their breakdown work and defensive pressure. Um, Mitch, again, I'm, I'm going to kind of ask the broad question. Which players stood out for you across both the Chiefs and the Waratahs?
2: Ooh, who stood out against? Ooh, um, geez, From the Waratahs' perspective, there was Dylan Peach, for one. That first yeah, try that he yep. scored was really exciting, and I was hoping to see a little bit more from him. But a um, bit hot and cold, as most of the Waratahs players were this week, unfortunately, had some really good involvements, also dropped a few balls. Um, Mark Nwanganidawasi as well had some great involvements, got a few high balls, uh, made some good tackles in defense, also dropped a few balls without much um, too much pressure on him. Uh, a crossover to the Chiefs. I think that there was a lot of players that played really well. I was really impressed with um Luke Jacobson, Peter mm-hmm. Gus Cooler, like Alex nankable these guys have performed so well this season that I think we expect them to play well and, and um but they did. They they were really pun- they punished the Waratahs for some of those silly errors that they made. That um decision for them to try and run it out of their own twenty two when the ball oh goes to ground and they just <sighs> toll it through and score was just like heartbreaking in a lot of ways because up until that point, the Waratahs were keeping with the Chiefs and, and matching them mostly in terms of physicality. It was a proper brain fart. But f- yep. from that point on, that's when the head started to drop and the Waratahs then started to make some uncharacteristic errors and uh, drop yep. a few balls. And that's something we haven't seen from the Waratahs this season. If we look at the season as a whole, I think we can confidently say that um, their handling and their skills, their skill set has been a lot higher than we've seen of a Waratahs team over the last few years. They weren't often dropping balls. Balls were going to hand um, a lot more this season. And for whatever reason, this game just wasn't that type of... That skill set just went out the window for some reason. They were just dropping balls left, right and centre.
0: I
1: think
3: a bit of that's got to do with uh, scoreboard pressure. The Waratahs, when they've played well this year and gotten those results, Crusaders being the case in point, had a really fast start. They got out to an early lead. And that allowed them to then play their game, whereas I think they felt like they were chasing the game a bit in this in on the weekend. Yep. Like the missed penalties obviously hurt in that sense because it just keeps makes it harder to close that gap. And then they they were just pushing it. I for the life of me, why they chose to try and run it out of their own twenty-two? That
0: was
2: yeah.
3: Yeah, it, 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 it just never those... looked right from the start. Like, oh god, what are they doing? And no, that scoreboard no, pressure no. as well.
2: Um, yeah. it, it starts to eat away at, you, at your decision-making as well. Yeah. There was, I think, in one phase in that first half, they had two or three penalties in a row within the opposition 20, uh, half, let's say, 22 or or outside of. And they went to the corner once and didn't quite get over. Then they, they went for posts and, and Edmund missed and then they got back up there again. And I think that third attempt, he actually got the the penalty yeah his
0: kicking boots went on this week that's um, right which is surprising he's been pretty accurate he has
2: been accurate and i think that was a bit of a a a mental hit to them that they had had some ascendancy there and they were getting penalties but when they got down into the 22 they weren't coming away with points and that's something that darren coleman has definitely been talking about this year that when they get down that opposition end they need to come away with points and um they weren't doing that so i think some of the younger players were starting to panic a little bit and starting to mm-hmm. think, well, geez, what do we do differently? Um, and when the game did start to open up and and the Chiefs started to run away with it, you could see that some of the players were just like, well, let's just have a crack here because there's there's no harm now and they were going for little chips. I think Donald's, uh, yeah, Donaldson at one point put this little chip through that he nearly pulled off, which would have been a fantastic little break. Um, but yeah, realistically, yeah. You probably wouldn't go for that kick if the season's on the line it's
3: funny though because the game was there between sort of the 40th minute and the 60th minute both teams kind of lost whatever mojo they had they both kept dropping the ball a lot there's a lot of stop and start and stuff like that so it was there if well it was in the Chiefs in the end finally got a grip of themselves and pulled it out but if the Waratahs had have kept their composure and just pulled themselves together a bit they really could have
2: climbed back into it but And that's that's where you go back to that point that you you made before, Joe, around potentially bringing a player like uh, Ned Hannigan off the bench or Gamble and having them have that impact late in the second half to really turn things. But um, I guess that's learnings that the team in DC will take from this and – and hopefully light that fire. In some ways, looking at this a little bit optimistically, in some ways, I think it's probably a good thing that this team had a loss like this in the quarterfinals because it will go to show that so far this year, they haven't, other than the first game against the Chiefs in super round when they got that red card early and and then a yellow card and and we're down to 13 men for 20 minutes or whatever it was, um, they have pretty much contested quite well with the kiwi teams this year they haven't really been punished like this so i think it's in some ways for the momentum of this team or the the learnings and growth of this young team it was probably a good thing that they did get this bit of reality check so that they know what they need to do next year to stay competitive and if they get back into this sort of position next year they know how much better they need to be and how much more focused they need to be yeah it's good and
0: i think that that's basically a good point for us to kind of finish the summary of this match on i got one last point oh my gosh
2: and it was just around (laughs) the uh uh, penalty that was really frustrating to me um i guess it comes into that whole decision around calling penalties when there's not really any material effect on oh the 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 offside yeah yeah the overall effect all of uh i guess uh play of the game that. Ficchetti's offside fight on his try line. There's a scrum. The Chiefs go right from the scrum or go blind and end up getting held up. But Ficchetti was on the open side and had no uh, interaction with the play whatsoever. Yeah. But the referees called offside and, and gone back and they've scored off it. it like was really something sickly, similar in the Brumbies game. What has yeah. he done? Yeah. What effect has he... Yes, he's offside, but what effect has he had on the play? The Chiefs decided to go blind mm-hmm. and the Waratahs held them up. They get another crack at it. Just one of those bugbears. <laughs> Yeah, just a red KPI
3: to world rugby. Yep. How many penalties are you calling throughout the game? There was one in the Brumbies game with the kick where Nick White put the kick through, and I think it might have been some money as well, like didn't retreat or didn't he? Kept progressing up the field, and White ran him on, but they called the advantage, and there was like no net benefit or anything because White's clearly run him on, and it was such a big gap. But apparently, I was watching the replay. And they said something about that there'd been a world rugby thing that that's something they're trying to crack down on is players not retreating or staying still when there's a kick through. And so I think it's just one of those things that if you want to get a test match sort of thing and a world rugby and go forward they need to tick it off on their list there's like
0: this is something <laughs> we're looking at so is that I'd like say, standing up when you're supporting the ball carrier making sure you're not falling over in a tackle exactly which we'll yeah. get to when we get to the hurricanes <laughs> um okay <laughs> guys can i move on we're we good to move yeah. on mitch mitch we're good i mean i could talk
2: about the war Tars for another 20 minutes but we'll move on
0: all right we'll move i've on. had a great now year, that I've got permission. and it's
2: been exciting
3: to
0: see them come back I yes. can't wait for Tar Week next week next Very year. Exciting! All right, Game Three: Blues versus Highlanders, thirty-five to six. So this game was the most run of the mill. Uh, I watch watching this game. I just was amazed that the Highlanders made it through to the finals. And I think it says a lot about the teams that didn't make the finals as opposed to the Highlanders themselves. Um, I just thought they were really, really poor. They missed Aaron Smith, although Fakatava um, was pretty decent, but he's a better bench impact player than he is starting, in my opinion. Um, and the quality of the Blues was just way too good. They put him to the sword, 35 to 6. There was only two penalty goals that the Highlanders were able to get, never actually crossed the crossed the chalk. Um yeah. Mitch, was this game ever in doubt?
2: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I th- the Highlanders were the first to score and I think 10 minutes in, it was 6-0. But apart from that, the, the Blues just ran ran away with it and the, the Highlanders didn't score another point or look like scoring another point from then on. Um, I guess the, the one thing that comes out of this final, this was the first team versus the eighth team in, in Super Rugby Pacific and... Mm -hmm. a lot of people have been talking about is it legitimate to have eight teams make the playoffs maybe we look at six next year and i think this isn't a great indication of what that one v8 final is really uh what sort of benefit it brings if we look at the results last week it it made it exciting for the the teams down the bottom of the table to try and vie for that eighth spot but when you get into the finals and the playoffs it's going to be a pretty big ask for a team that's ranked eighth overall out of a 12 team competition to even worry a team that's come first. And this, this was basically what this game was.
0: I still think that we need to be looking at the shield versus plate. So top six, shield, bottom six, play for the plate. And so every team has something to be playing for, gets a couple more matches within the season. And enables players to get more experience and play in some equivalent final style matches. Mm. Uh, but it also means that the the shield competition, the one to six is seen as a superior and more competitive one. and you're not having play, not having teams that have had really poor seasons like the, high, the Highlanders have get into the finals. because in honesty, like themselves and the force, like as close as a force came to getting into the finals. they didn't deserve to be there with their record throughout the season um and so i just think that you should do a 1 vs 6 of mv12 uh, yeah final no, I, I,
2: I think that merit that's got legs that idea it's, it more trophies to win more games to be played gets fans involved it doesn't disenfranchise those four teams yep. or three teams that don't make the playoffs it gives them something to continue playing for um even if you are the the winner of
0: the losing teams <laughs> Still take it anyway. Um, and also provides more games for the broadcasters as well, so they'll be happy about that one. Uh, Joe, now that I've le- put that amazing idea out there that Super Rugby Pacific will definitely run with. That uh was not it? Uh, maybe a long time ago, but I've brought it up fresh, you know. Um, but looking at this match, any of the players stand out and any moments that you wanted to quickly touch on? Uh, just the midfield for the Blues. Mm. Barrett,
3: RTS, Ioani. It's just, it's scary, and it. We're looking forward to next week without treading on that. That's like, yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. They are electric, and and I kind of want to. I really wish Caleb Clark wasn't injured because just to see that team in full flight would be mm. kind of cool at the right time of the sea at the right time of the year. They are, yeah, they're seriously good. Um, yeah. that was. I didn't watch this game. I was prepping for the one later on, Um, (laughs) and uh, yeah, no. So I saw that I caught the highlights, and that was basically it. Was a lot of just great back play, just guys, just movement, shape, all that good stuff, and it was they were fun highlights. But that's the that's my takeaway is how how was it that that RTS only
2: scored his first try in this game. How, all the games he's played this year, this is the well, only. Well, he's been Only nine. He's been injured he's for a big nine, been injured for a big nine. For the season. How many um, tries did he score in
3: the league season though? Like... In fairness, I did say a stat today. It took him ten games to score a try in the in his NRL career. So,
2: okay, you know,
3: there you go. he's a bit quicker, a little bit
0: faster. Um, and plus, I mean, in the first half of the season, he's playing all the Kiwi teams, and so there is an element of great challenge there yeah. too. Um, and I mean, Are the Highlanders look, from New Zealand or not. True. Uh, but you don't see uh, midfielders scoring that many centres, scoring that many tries yeah. in rugby union. It's just n- not a common thing. Um, but uh, one of the things that, one of the moments within the game that just made me kind of sit back and just go, wow, he's incredible. Is Bowden Barrett's try. Uh, the first one, I'm pretty sure, where he gets the ball, the, the rucks on kind of like the left-hand side of the field. He gets the ball kind of running across and then just steps off his right and accelerates in between. I think it's a lock. And a back rower or a lock and a front rower. And he just absolutely glides through that gap and then accelerates and scores a try. And it looks like a set defensive line, but just this perfect angle, perfect acceleration, and a perfect moment combined together for this absolutely beautiful try. And he is just, him and Will Jordan is my favorite Kiwi player to watch. Will Jordan is just exceptional nearly every single time he touches the ball. Uh Bodum Barrett is definitely up there in terms of the class that he is to watch.
2: Oh, he's he's such a argue He's such a freak and in some ways I'm not looking forward to playing him later in the year in the wallabies and it it uh in some ways is good that we only play them twice and not three times. So we only have to face playing. I'm quite the optimistic. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'm optimistic, but still he's He's a real class act, and but to see how he goes and what play fullback the
0: fullback or something. Yeah, but the, even um, then, he shouldn't play fullback. Sorry, but we're just jumping onto the full, Kiwi fullback conversation. Like, Will Jordan is the best fullback I in know. New Zealand rugby, and if they push him out of position onto the wing or onto the bench for Bowden Barrett to play there, in my mind, that's just a bad call. You but play your trust best in players. Ian Foster.
3: Ian no. Foster,
0: not a good coach. No, do you know it. What? Keep doing yeah, what you're me. doing, Fozzie. Yeah, do it. yep. It's fine. Do it. It's fine. <laughs> do it. Do it. Do whatever you need. Yeah, push him
3: out.
2: Don't even select
3: do Self-sabotage him. away, mate.
0: Go for
2: <laughs> it. No, all I was, um, was going to say was just, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he gets selected for the All Blacks this year and where he plays because Richie Mulan oh, is no playing choice. really good at 10 as well and you can't have both of mm. those players. Realistically, you can't have both of those players on the field at the same time.
0: You can if you divide up the way they've been playing. Um, And so one of the things that we saw... But that's what we
2: were just saying. Like, you have to then shift Will Jordan out of 15. I think, yeah,
3: they need to pick pick how they want to play. And at Mm. the moment, they've for the last however many years, they've been trying to split the difference, whereas they kind of need to go, are we going to play like the Crusaders and build this team around Richie? Or are we going to play like the Blues and build this team around Barrett? And they've just got to make a decision. Um,
1: like there's no wrong choice there's metallic. no wrong choice
3: to be honest <laughs> there's no wrong choice like you can they're both incredible yeah, players yeah exactly you can't there's no wrong decision here just pick one
0: pick one stick with it and then yep. use the other player if an injury take, comes forward or have them on the bench just leave it, leave it. Um, yeah.
3: how
0: much would you guys thing?
2: give like how much would you guys pay to have a player like burden barrett in the wallabies that oh. that could oh. that could play both 15 and 10 in the international yeah. arena as yep. good as. Like, doesn't really change his game that much. Once you get paid by New Zealand Rugby,
0: about that, that's probably what he's worth. Yep. <laughs> yep, something like that. Probably more, actually. Um, anyway, Brumbies versus Hurricanes. This is the game of the weekend yep. without a shadow of a doubt. So, Joe, in a moment, he's got a box ready to stand up upon and just start start nattering on about all the reasons why the Brumbies are the saviors of Australian rugby. But they came away 35 that. to 25 uh-huh. victors in what was an incredible comeback, Twenty points to three scored by the Brumbies in the second half. The Hurricanes really ran away with it off the back of a red card to an Iketau in a 22nd minute. So there's there's a lot to be talking about. But, Joe, let's just start off with this basic thing. How proud are you of the Brumbies team for the fight back that they showed on Saturday night? Oh, very. But I'm always proud of them. That's the one oh, good thing about crazy. being a,
3: a Brumbies fan is that they always – in a good performance so you don't really ever have wana, a yeah, what, so what are you wana? talking we about we don't talk
2: about yeah. that and mawana game
0: you already forgotten about it yeah so okay when,
2: when that was Who? a bye week
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, anyway i'm pretty anyway. sure stan's deleted that from the catalog
3: yeah they have i have yeah. um anyway yeah no like they yeah incredibly proud but i mean for me it's they did what they should do and it's more of a case of i think when we're talking about the waratahs and the Reds and sticking to those structures and staying with it when you're chasing the game. That's just what the Brumbies did. They have their system. They knew what they do. They know what they do works against the New Zealand teams and they play a territory-based game where they kick a lot, they back their defense and they go really hard at the breakdown. And they just knew that if they kept, I mean, it helps when it's a cold night in Canberra and it's raining because it suits that type of game as well. But that's they just knew if they kept doing it and kept doing it, kept doing it, they chip away chip away and that's what eventually happened they cracked the the hurricanes cracked and once it happened the floodgates opened the brumbies have the benefit of depth like all the things that the other two teams probably don't have that benefit of the brumbies get to just Mckellar just goes right and after 57 minutes i'm going to sub nick white off which sounds insane because he's a world-class scrum half and it's like and we'll bring ryan on we'll bring off flower finger and we're going to bring lachlan Lonigan on we're going to sub off Caden Neville and we're going to bring Nick Frost on and they just keep hammering down that door and it's Notice just Notice they once didn't
2: the... replace Lalesio They didn't have
0: anybody to replace him with it was a 6-2 yeah. split I know, I was joking
2: yeah. there like they don't have a, a oh,
0: right A backup, <laughs> yeah, We're not um, doing 10, that really. Yeah Yeah. No, because Rod Yona is We're not getting the card yet, are we? Um, no. um,
3: yeah, so but that's just what they do they just keep banging away and it's just and that's what like they say how they're gonna play this week as well. And that's they just know what works and it's this is how we play, this is what we do, and they just stick to it. And yep. they yeah, they just ground ground them down. Mm. Slowly, yep. just keep chipping away. They took the three, take the three, take the three, and then it opens up.
0: And yeah. Mate, let's start talking about all the players that were exceptional. And the first person I want to highlight is Tom Hooper. He has been a revelation this season. His hit job that he did on Artie Surveyor was an absolute joy to behold. So I went back and watched the full game um, again today because I had some family over last night. So I had it, um, I was watching a game just with no sound. And uh, I watched it again today. And it was just absolutely incredible to see that. Most of the time, when Artie is getting the ball, Pooper is right up in his face, yeah. hitting him almost as soon as he receives it, and stopping him from getting that leg drive going and getting over the advantage line. And I think what they had done is just identified that so much of what the Hurricanes do that is good comes off the back of Artie, and he, he's which isn't surprising. <laughs> he's one amazing. of the best back rowers in the world. But like he's he's incredible. I think to highlight um, like that
3: point that you're making, I I saw somewhere, I think Artie had 16 runs for 23 metres, which Mm. for for Artie is unheard of. If he runs that many times, it's, you know, he's going to have a field day sort of thing. And yeah, yeah, they did an exceptional job. I think Alan was a big part of that. Al did a really good job as well defensively. He was all over him as well. Um, And I think
2: what the Brumbies did as well with Artie Surveyor is that he's the type of player, he's a great leader. And he's very experienced, but he can get a bit overawed and he can get a bit um, emotional. Hot-headed. Hot-headed sometimes. Um, And that's what the Brumbies did. They just kept smacking him when he got the ball and and just chipping away at him and and chirping away. And you could see that when that last try that Tom Wright scored, he gets up and just gives it to him and it just erupts. And he's in there like throwing (laughs) handbags and it's all... That's the one where Noah's just standing there watching it going like... It's great, I, know, I don't know what. That. No, I don't know what Noah and Tom Banks walked
3: over. I was like, What are you gonna do? Get out of
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, th- I, I really think that um, Tom Hooper is probably one of the Brumbies players of the season in terms of uh, early season expectations versus where they've turned up to be at the end of the season. Nobody really knew. Um, kind of what he would be able to deliver. And then he's been one of their best in the last kind of month or so of the competition. And again, I'm hoping for a massive performance, but one of, My one question of the questions to you
2: both, just on this point, sorry, Endo, is, is Hooper is the name Hooper, the Australian equivalent of Barrett?
3: Uh, no, I think it's just the Tom factor. Uh, why? You be, Cause no, you've Nick, be you're got to be Nick Tom. or Tom. Yep. yep. It's just, That's just part of being a good player for the Brumbies is just having the name (laughs) Nick or Tom. Because
0: you've got Tom Banks, Tom Tom Wright, Tom Hooper, Nick White, Nick Frost. It's almost as if you've got
2: another name, you don't get started.
3: There's a a Venn diagram somewhere at Rugby Australia where they're going to put everyone named Harry, Will,
1: (laughs) Nick, Tom
3: and Hooper all in one team. And it's going to make – it's going to be a commentator's nightmare, but it's going
0: to be glorious. I was watching Tay Insta feed today, and he was um, out at a pub, at a TAB, with Harry Wilson. And I was like, what's Harry Wilson doing down in Sydney? And then realised it's the uh, Waratahs. The other one? Yeah. Harry Wilson. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so, look, w- what was I talking about? Uh, it was quality players throughout the game. Yeah, Tom Hooper. Um We'd been talking last week, Mitch, about how the Brumbies are going to be compensating for the fact that Rob Valentini isn't mm. available. And I think Hooper has been the one that stepped up, both in terms of carries and defensive effort, too. I also think that Caden Neville is pretty underrated within the Brumbies setup, or at least from, from a broader public within the Brumbies setup, because uh, what Bobby Valentini does so well within a defensive effort is hold, trying to hold the player up in a tackle and then wrestle them backwards in the direction that they've come from. And Caden Neville was really trying to do those hold-up tackles within this match and has over the previous weeks as well. But a lot more came together well within this game. And I think that you don't often see the Brumbies put out a couple of poor performances in a row. Yeah, they lost to the Crusaders. Yes, they lost to the Blues. Those weren't bad performances. They were against two of the best teams within the competition. Then when you come to Moana, that was the aberration. That was a crap performance. That
2: was Christian Liofano doing Christian Lefano things. Yeah, well, I done. just think, too, they were flat. I yeah, think that, that just shows that in a Super yep.
3: Rugby competition, it's really hard to be up for five six weeks in a row and yep. i think they yep. just went straight off an emotional deep dive is my and sort of opinion then of what happened their and
0: bounce back, back this yeah. week has been so impressive and the hope is um that you know you know that crappy adage which i just hate but i'm gonna say it anyway is that they played their final this week um i hope that they're able to ground themselves as, as a team and get focused again really quickly for the opportunity that they have this coming weekend in Auckland. Mm. And I think that there's probably no better team in Australian rugby than the Brumbies to be able to do that effectively. They've got the experience within the squad, they've got the experience within the coaching staff as well to kind of redirect and refocus the team and see what they can be doing to try and extend this finals run for players like Tom Banks, for Scotty CEO, for Iri Simone. And for obviously Dan McKellar as he's finishing I will up.
2: I will play devil's advocate and I'll throw something in here. But the Brumbies haven't travelled well recently or a lot. Um, they've played the Blues and the Crusaders at home, mm. and also about the Chiefs in Hamilton. So I yes, they did. They did. That that's fair. But um, great so I mean, as
3: far as you want to like, that's the only time. Yeah, they had a good draw, but that's yeah. just how it works. I think. I mean, yeah, I don't. I think as your point, I think they. They weren't over excited after the win. They were happy they got the job. Like they were happy with their, like just body language wise. It wasn't like there wasn't a lot of celebrating and carrying on or anything like that after the game. It was, you know, smiles and handshakes and pats on the back, and then it was it was a bit like, "Hey, okay, job done, next." And I think they'll be going over to Auckland and they'll be yep. fizzing on Saturday night. They'll be yep. they'll be up for it, and I, I think it's going to be on like Donkey Kong. They'll uh, yeah, they'll so. go really hard at them, and I, I was, Funnily enough, I think the Brumbies play a style of game that sort of upsets New Zealand style of play. They don't try and out, like outrun them. They don't get into the shootout. It's like no, no, no. We're going to. We're not going to. Yeah, we're going to yeah. play our style, and they play a a more European, like a Northern Hemisphere style, that or South African style, where they don't engage with that and they try and physically belt them. And so it'll be interesting to see how it goes uh over there, but I, it's shown that it, it can work. So yeah, there far. was this
0: really good tweet that came out from um I've forgotten his actual name, but the rugby college guy who does a lot of the statistics oh, Brendan. work. Oh, Brendan. Brendan Shields, there we go. Thank you. Um, So Brendan put a tweet out recently, uh, well, four hours ago, saying that the Brumbies kicked during 62% of all attacking play yesterday. means they surrendered possession instead of losing it while controlling where and how they want to defend. They only played beyond three phases for 14% of the game. This strategy meant the Brumbies only lost 5.36% of possession to penalties or turnover ball, whereas the Kane stat reads 25%. The solid kick strategy helps you mitigate risk and control defensive outcomes. So this is hats off to Noah, Tom Banks, Nick White and Tom Wright. I was actually really impressed with Tom Wright's kicking game. Um, last oh. night, actually, as well. Are you sure um, you want to take that back? <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't he? he did one kick away out on the full. Um, so I recall. But he, he actually had a few good involvements. My, the general point yeah. is within this game, though, that the much like we gave, um, we, we criticised the Reds and the Waratahs at various points for poor kicking and just playing it back to the opposition in the wrong parts of the field, the Brumbies are far better... At kicking to areas that are clearly planned for and structured within their mm. game plan, so the defensive line is set and uh, they're playing it in the parts of the field well, they that just they put, want it. They just, they just put up contestables.
3: Yep, Everything's a contestable until yep. they see the space
0: behind it and they bang it
3: long. Yep. Um, if yep. they see get and a lot of the quick turnover ball is when they'll kick long. Um, mm. So if they get a quick turnover ball, sort of in their thirty, like their, or even their forty, that's where they'll look for the corners and they'll kick that's where White puts in those box kicks for 50-22s or Noah drills it for the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, they're putting just the, they're putting up contestables that land on about the halfway line. Yep. And that's where Muirhead, Wright, Banks are just streaming through to put pressure on. And How- that's where you get your turnover and then they get more turnover ball because then you get a knock-on or pressure in that or they take the player out. And then you get your piggyback into the 22 and then they can start playing off their line out. And that's where they are they're deadly. That's, as soon as they get that, it's like, okay,
0: game over. There's points coming here. It's, it's either going to be a penalty goal or a yeah. try. And one of the things that I absolutely loved about the refereeing on the weekend, which can't be said for a lot of this match, but one moment was that contestable between Andy Muirhead and um, and Barrett, Geordie um, Barrett, when they both went up for the ball and Barrett um, basically within the fair contest between them came down really heavily on his back within that. It um, wasn't a foul wasn't a penalty called at all because they're both gone up eyes on the ball in a realistic possession position to catch it. And it was just a rugby collision. And I just really enjoyed because a couple of years ago, you might have heard a line come out along the lines of, oh, it's the, um, it's the defending players responsibility to ensure the safety of the attacker we you're like, what the hell? No. Like, they're just meant to do their job, which is go get in a realistic position to catch the ball. And he yeah. did, and the penalty wasn't called. And I was really happy about that one instance. Um, but what we might quickly do is touch on, because it does need to get spoken about, the red and the yellow cards. So, within 22nd minute, Len Ikital, um gets red carded for a shot, uh, high shot, high tackle, mm-hmm. whereas tackle, I think it was shoulder, met the head of the oncoming player. Yep. Um, and... I think it was. Yeah, I thought within this case, and we might keep our comments on this a bit succinct because, um, I mean, it ended up not altering the outcome of the game, luckily. But I thought that he bent low enough within a tackle to at least have it mitigated to potentially a yellow. Obviously, the ref didn't see it that way. Joe, you're a rusted-on Brumbies fan. What did you think about that first incident?
3: Um, Yeah, I I mean, I'm fine either way. I thought there was enough mitigation with White – involvement and stuff that it probably could have been a yellow but it's probably one of those ones that sits on the edge maybe and so
0: red's fine the issue i've got is the consistency yep. between mm, the yep. two yep and that and that comes to the next point so for those of you who maybe still need to catch up on his match spoiler alert owen frank's about 10 minutes later gets trying to kill Noah. Uh, two minutes trying later to kill Noah. oh is it two minutes later sorry yeah, that. Um, it's literally soon after, the next breakdown the next it's off the kickoff He um, basically takes off Noah's head, he's the second man into a tackle, and um, there is clear head-on-head contact. Strangely enough, it gets mitigated down to a yellow because even though in real time the impact of shoulder and head from Franks to shoulder and head of Noah L'Olysio is essentially equal like they happen at the same time um when you slow it down frame by frame the shoulder contact happens first so they say that the head contact i think the phrasing was incidental contact between their heads which terrible technique which is just terrible it's terrible technique it's a terrible justification for the mitigation because just because the shoulder hits the shoulder first in my mind, doesn't change the fact that he was upright in the tackle. Yeah. Second man coming in and directly initiated – it was late and late. directly initiated head contact. Yeah. Like, it was far worse than Lenny Kitau's and got mitigated down. I found that one really, really hard to stomach and I'm not even a Brumbies fan.
3: Uh, well, yeah, everyone in the stadium did. Uh, it was weird, bizarre. I, Yeah. I mean, it's worse at the ground because you literally can't even hear what they're saying. Yeah. So you're literally in just silence for – basically both those incidents took around three minutes each. So for six minutes, we just stood in the cold watching old mate referee watch the TV. (laughs) So that's exciting for everyone in attendance. It's two degrees out and we're watching that. Um, It's what we paid our money for. Um, Mm -hmm. So they need to fix that, get on with it. But um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just for me watching it, I couldn't work out what the difference was. I thought, oh, well, this will be the square up. He can go off as well. Um, and, yeah, it wasn't. It fortunately didn't affect the outcome of the game, like you guys said. It may or may not
0: affect Len's ability to play this week. But Well, he played for the rest of the match, so he passed his HIA there. Um, oh, I mean, Len. No, oh, the, sorry, no, Len. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. sorry yeah, sorry. No, but, um,
3: yeah, I mean, the biggest thing, though, for me is, like, I we went out with some friends and a couple of people had been, this was their first ever game of, rugby that they'd ever seen and so they were impartial neutrals and they've just gone i don't understand what the difference is yep and it's yep. sort of like if you if it's someone who you should be able to explain something like that like it shouldn't require some like oh but in this split section his shoulders hit his chest just before the head hit this and that's why it's this different it's like too complicated it's either a red or a yellow card. Let's just move on. The like, frustrating thing
2: it- is what we've been speaking about all day and all week, all year, and you've yeah. mentioned this before, I know is the consistency in it, but it did feel like he was approaching the contact in the second instance differently to how he approached yep. it before. He yep. wasn't looking for any mitigation in that first one. It, it almost seemed like yeah. Paul Williams had the decision that it was red and that he was just sort of justifying that and was happy to make that call. But then in the second instance, he was like, Well, let's where where was contact first? And sort of he was asking questions about trying to find the mitigation. And, yeah. and I, I'm not going into like any bias decision there. I'm just saying how the referee has approached. I just those, think the framework's broken. Those it doesn't make situations. any sense. I, I think
3: if the whole point is to change tackle technique, Owen Frank said terrible tackle technique. That's why he had it, that's why there was a head clash that should be enough like it shouldn't the, the rest of it's sort of irrelevant like was there head contact yes was it illegal like yes okay goodbye well sort it out at the judiciary later or whatever but just keep it the same
2: i, I think don't... what we need to do as well to speed up this whole process is give the control back to the tmo so the tmo can watch that as the as the play continues he can watch that replay back 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 he can make his decision because what happens now is he says to the referee, if he's not called upon, he comes down and says, "I ne- we need to look at this." Shows yeah. them the angles and then waits for the referee to make the decision. So I feel like what we should be doing is the team. I should go. I've I've gone through this. This is have a look at this. Watch it. Watch it two three times, whatever it takes, and then say I think it's a red card for this reason. And the referee can then either veto it and say, "No, I don't agree. It's yellow for this reason," or "Yep, it's red. Let's get let's get on with it." for those situations then speeds it up and we don't have the referee we don't have two people watching it. Three both four of times.
3: those two weren't even picked up live. Like mm.
2: they mm. weren't there wasn't an it there
3: wasn't an advantage paid for the high contact on IkerTow there wasn't an advantage played for the head clash. And when you watch it so live for it me it didn't
2: look it didn't it yeah didn't, it looked innocuous.
3: So in that instance, stay out of it. Like I kind of want I know this doesn't this is a bit contentious, but the rugby league model does sort of work a bit like I kind of just as the fan in the stand, the stand then it's like, I'd rather, they didn't pick it up live. The touch judges and the referee didn't see it live. So why can't it just be a case of the match, a match review committee reviews the game, both Ikatau and Franks get charged on Sunday morning
1: Mm. with
3: a charge and then they get suspended like,
2: yeah, but Dana, the
3: and, and, I, and I saved six minutes of my life not having to watch,
2: watch Paul Williams watch t I mean, where's the, if the referee is getting involved in – I mean, the team is getting involved in these situations and saying, you know, we need to look at these high contacts and whatever. Where was he when the uh, the Highlanders – sorry, the Hurricanes knocked it on three times in the lead up to that try? Yeah, what are they allowed to? Yeah, what are they allowed to check, check in? Anyway, these are the he, things they, Ro they Ro can. To drive that drive everyone. insane. Instance, they can, can come in and say it. It's just why is he choosing to be quiet in that instance? Because it's they're clearly good. a knock on. All right,
0: yeah. let's move on. I think we've set our pieces about these um, decisions, and I think an hour. I think we're just lucky in these moments to um, not have had these decisions cost the game for the Brumbies, so they were able to overcome these opportunities mm. or these moments yeah. and still pull away with the win, which is fantastic. Now player i just want to quickly credit um and then we might get closing statements from each of you then move on is a player i want to credit is ollie sapsford so he stepped in in that initial um head high contact to um noah when no when noah had to go for his head high um assessment he came on Mm -hmm. and then within the second half he came on early as one of the backline replacements and in my mind was excellent defensively sound made some good options in attack, went to hold the ball, went to cut inside, get the arms through, et cetera, et cetera. He was a really, really good find. And I think that if he stays with the team moving forward, I'm not sure how long his contract was for, um, he might well be someone to step into 12 with Irei Simoni's absence. Uh, he's been quite good so far in what I've seen. In any case, if we move away from kind of next year's predictions, he was excellent within this game. And right. if they don't have Irei Simone, he might be... Um, some, if they don't have Lenny Kitau, might be somebody that can step in at 13 as well to assist there next week. Um, all right, Mitch, quick summary comments before we move on to our predictions for the semifinals.
2: I just want to say I thought Noel Alessio was great this week and he's had a really good super season this year. Um, he's really shaping as the form number 10 in the Australian Conference at the moment and it, it does give Dave Rennie a real um, headache around which option he goes with. Does he bring in... Uh, Quade Cooper and start him against England. Does he go with the Nick White and Noel Alessio combination that's worked so well for the Brumbies this year? Interesting to see what happens there and which way he does go.
3: I th- yep. my personal preference, I think they'll I they just need to make a decision. It's much like New Zealand. They need to make a call on who do they think is going to be the fly half, come the World Cup. Yeah. And then go from there. So if it's if they genuinely think it's going to be Quade Cooper, then by all means. Chuck him in there, pick him, and keep picking him. But if not, and you think, well, Iconor's maybe not going to be there, or we can't trust his body, then you've got to give Noah the game. Like, let him play with Nick White Mm -hmm. and Samu Karevi and build up those combinations and
2: just go with it. If I was Dave Rennie, I'd be starting Noah in that first test. uh, We'd potentially bring Quaid off the bench. And then... Uh, see how he goes and if he doesn't perform well and if he is a bit overawed or England has his number, then I think we go to Quaid for the last two. That's what I'd be doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, guys, we need to move on. So that's been a great review of this week. It was There were some great games played and thank you for the Brumbies for keeping Australian rugby fans' dreams alive going into the semifinals this coming week. So now let's move to our predictions. Let's, let's just go.
2: get into it, shall we? So... Um, on Friday night, we have the first semi semi-final for Super Rugby Pacific. We have the Crusaders playing the Chiefs. This kicks off 5.05 p.m. on Friday. Um, we'll go through both games and then we'll get to our predictions. So the second game of the weekend is played on Saturday. The Blues are hosting the Brumbies at Eden Park. That's also kicking off at 5.05 p.m. Uh, I'll throw to you first, Joe. Uh, in the Crusaders-Chiefs game, how do you see this one going?
3: Yeah. Uh- well boringly i'm just going to say the crusaders will probably be too good um they the chiefs did win yeah. down in christchurch earlier this year um i can't really remember much about that game and who was playing in it but they obviously won't necessarily like, they'll go into it with confidence the return of like having brody in there brody Ritalic in there is going to be big like they'll give him a good shake i think it's going to be a lot closer than you'd think just off of like off-top, you sort of yeah. just the off top of your head, you sort of just go, "Oh yeah, the Crusaders will win that easily." It's the Crusaders in Christchurch in a final, um, but I think it'll be closer than we th- than you think. Um, and the Chiefs will give them a good shake, but I mean, you you can't go past Canterbury, can you?
2: They're, that's right. Yeah, that's just, just the Crusaders. That's what they do. And are yep. you um, leaning the same way?
0: Yeah. Look, I'm. I I believe that the Chiefs do have the capacity to upset them. They've proven in March they could do it with a 21-24 victory over them. But I think that considering the experience within finals matches that the Crusaders have um, over this Chiefs team, the Crusaders will just have that level of quality within those key moments that you get in finals footy to bring it home. Um, uh, Look, unless the Chiefs can... even go further and increase the ruck pressure that they showed against the Waratahs this weekend and really disrupt the Crusaders' uh, breakdown and not allow them any fluency of play. That's going to be the main thing. If you can hit the Crusaders early enough and put them off their game, then you're in with a chance. Again, like the Waratahs showed at Leichhardt with uh, getting away to an early lead. So maybe the Chiefs just need to kind of channel what the Waratahs have been doing this season. And um, we'll see how I, I bring it all back to the water. So good. Um, but yeah, I, I still think the Crusaders are going to win, but the Chiefs do have the capacity to, um, to pip it, Cause an upset.
2: Yeah. I, I don't see this going any other way but the Crusaders. I think if we look back to that first fixture between these two teams earlier this year, the Crusaders were missing a few of their players. Um, they don't have those players missing now. They've got them. Back Blackadder up. is
0: out. Mm, good yep, point. Blackadder he is did out. his hand, didn't he?
3: Yeah. Um, just off the top of my head, I know that he's not going to be playing. Um, and then, will Ka- is Kane back? I don't know. Yeah, there's question sure. marks. Uh, um, yeah. So we'll. So see. I mean, those sort we'll of things. Like, fit. It could be closer than you saw. I think it, like Chiefs are a good side. I think they could give him a shake. Like, it could be interesting. But yeah, he can't go past the Crusaders, past Crusaders in the
2: final. Let's move yeah. to the next one. Joe, we'll start with you. Why are the Brumbies win <laughs> this one? <laughs>
3: Uh, because I think they play, like I mentioned earlier, they play a style of game that I think causes uh, New Zealand teams grief. They don't try and get into the shootout with them. Um, they just play their style and back their defence. Um, it's going to be a tough ask. Uh, Len Ikatao's is probably going to be suspended, but Bob Valentini is likely to be back. So swings and roundabouts. I wonder uh, if that
2: suspension pub- will affect his Wallaby selections too.
3: Oh, there'll be a John Iden game they can rub him out for surely if they don't make <laughs> it through that far, he can miss a couple of weeks of that. Um, uh, they so Valentini's expected to be back. I think there's a bit of chat that they're yeah. confident that he could be back. So that's a big in. Uh, Dalton Papale is out for the Blues. Yep. He had his appendix out, so he's not going to be returning for the rest of the season. That's a big loss for them because yep. he's amazing. Um, but yeah, I think the Brumbies if. The Brumbies are to cause a boil over in Auckland. It'll be up front. It'll be because of the forwards. I think the Brumbies probably do have the better forward pack to the Blues. Not by much. (laughs) Like the Blues have an amazing back row as well. But losing um, Dalton probably is a big loss for them. Uh, But, yeah, it'll all be about like like the Brumbies do. It'll be controlling field position, aggressive at the breakdown and in the collision and denying the Blues that fastball so that they can't unleash – that back line of theirs because if they get any clear space, it'll be trouble. Brumbies yep. by how many? One.
0: Go One. ahead. Oh,
3: nice. L SEA Field goal. We'll go the reverse. Oh, That's how good would time. that be? That would be brilliant.
0: I would love yeah. that. The only thing that'd be better would be a Ryan Lonigan field goal.
3: I'll take a Ryan Lonigan Yeah, we'll
0: take a Anyone. Someone kicked a field goal <laughs> in the 81st minute and then James Slipper. The blues. James Slipper
2: James Slipper. James <laughs> Slipper. <laughs>
0: Okay, um, my call for this is uh, My heart wants the Brumbies to win But I think the Blues are going to be too strong um, Boo. Although actually we're saying that Like the the loss of Dot and Papali is huge Adrian Chote is not anywhere near the replacement A um, quality replacement for Papali Because he's just been Papali has been immense And is even pushing for All Blacks selection um, Over the captain, Sam Kane So that's big But I think that the loss of Bobby Valentini, and even if we get him, we, we, even if we get him. Yes, get on that bandwagon. Um, Get on that bandwagon. You listen to the pod. Dust it off. Dust off that that Computer Associates jersey. You'll be right. Thank you. Even with the return of Bobby Dantini, he's not going to be at full form. I wouldn't even be surprised to see him come off the bench. Uh, And Hoskins Satutu and Akira Iwani have just been absolutely immense. And I'm just concerned about the capacity of players like Tom Hooper to be able to back up again after an absolutely immense performance that they have shown. So if if the Brumbies players who were excellent within this match are able to do it two weeks in a row, then, then the Brumbies are in with a good shout here. Definitely, but I'm not convinced that they will be able to. So I'll be going blues by about eight. Well, the big one will be they can't get on the wrong side of the referee like they did the last time yeah. they played the blues.
3: Yeah. Um, so that'll be the big test there. Uh, I, don't, I think they'll start Bobby. If he's fit, you start him. Hoops can come off the bench. Um, and you just have, it just adds to the bomb squad basically that the Brumbies. Yep. Have at the moment, he can yep. roll off. Uh, it wouldn't, I yeah, I can't imagine they change unless they were to. The only change you might see them do is to maybe start CO instead of slipper and do that sort of thing again that mm. they've sort of been doing recently, depending on how guys pull up. But I imagine they'll go into and maybe Jerome Brown might start at seven and Luke Reimer come off the bench. But I imagine it'll be pretty similar team. Yep. Um, yep. I assume Saps, I feel it, like is not playing will be 13.
0: Like yeah, I, really. I feel like Reimer's impact has been better off the bench. Um, he wasn't bad within this game at all, but he seems to have had incredibly clutch involvements and turnovers when he's been coming off the bench. And apart from Jerome Brown's really poor performance against Moana, he has been excellent throughout the season when he's been available. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, like you said, but him return to the starting it lineup. It was good of him to wear headgear on the weekend too. So you could tell <laughs> him it
3: Pistol peed apart yep, exactly. <laughs> from a distance. It was much easier. <laughs>
0: All right, team. Um, oh, Mitch, your quick call on this game?
2: Uh, I'm going to start a GoFundMe page and try and get uh, Nigel Owens out of retirement to ref this game, and I'll say the Brumbies by 10. Uh, i get referring? Wayne Barnes
0: down here. He's always uh, good oh, for the, the Aussie teams. Who's the one who – Luke
3: Pierce, the English referee? Yeah,
2: Luke Pearce. Luke Pierce.
0: Yeah, he was good. The he one
3: was. that did uh, the South
2: African test. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. but we'll, pay, we'll be paying Nigel to win. So
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, we'll see, but Nigel wouldn't accept bribes.
2: Oh, out a retirement, I think he would. Yeah. If we
0: all, all offer him some good kind of Australian stud cattle for his um yeah. for his farm, yeah, that yeah. might go well.
2: We'll sweeten the deal. Don't worry.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Get anyway. A few anyway tours so. Around Canberra or whatever. We wow. need well, to we move on no to the that. locker room, fellas. Yeah. I'm going to cut in from this chat and say, go. let's head to the locker room now and uh, answer your questions and comments. Let's go. <laughs> All right, team, moving now into the locker room. Absolutely love the huge amount of responses and engagement we've had this weekend. Love our finals footy. And we're going to start off with Mick Ryan, who got in touch uh 8 o'clock last night. Call it sour grapes, but it feels like the Kiwi sides get all the head-scratching nonsense, missed and utter BS calls in this Super Rugby Pacific season. Am I totally off my head? Let's start off with you, Joe. Is he totally off his head? Uh Diplomatically?
3: Yes. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you're not me. Um, I think it's hard. I think every fan goes through this when you're supporting your team. It's, you know, you feel like you're being hard done by and stuff like that. But I mean, they're, they're professional refs, so they're not doing it deliberately. I think everyone goes in with a bit of a preconceived idea, particularly around things like scrums and stuff like that. Like you kind of think who the stronger team is and you start seeing pictures that confirm those probably unconscious biases a little bit that they might develop in their preparations. But I think most of it is maybe they're the better team. Like yep. it's yep. sort of just how that goes. The better teams generally do get the calls because the bad the team that's not quite doing as well is often under pressure and they infringe. Yep. Um, yeah, I think and then maybe if there's another bit like if you get a New Zealand referee refereeing one of the games, the New Zealand refs the New Zealand players are going to be more used to that style of interpretation to then yeah. to the Aussie yep. teams. Um, but that's no real excuse. Teams should adjust. Uh, yep. So, I mean, yep. no, I get that, I understand the sentiment. I think we've all been there. We all rage and yell at the TV and blame the referee, but I don't think there's anything more sinister to it other than. I think that they're probably on a whole a bit better than us. So we probably can weigh more
0: penalties. (laughs) Totally agree. Um, I think one of the key things within this is that was really valuable was Morgan Turanui when he was doing his pod with Ben Kimber talking about um, the picture that you're presenting to the referee and how teams, when they're under pressure, present pictures which a referee will be interpreting more favourably for the attacking team Um, and that just really helped having a person that's been within like on the field has a really good experience within coaching as well being able to talk about it from that perspective Um, Mitch I'm going to ask you this next one from Nathan Burns so the first point that he has he's got two questions when will Aussie teams learn to stop kicking the ball back and poorly the Kiwi teams so they can just practice their counter-attacking I'll say that as like that's a statement to the rugby gods that Australian teams need Mm. to continue to learn that but the question I wanted to ask is why do the Reds persist in using Vunavalu taking uh, short balls in contact and tight to the right? He's not that kind of player. He runs 100 in minus digits. Give it to him at pace.
2: Yeah, exactly. I just feel like at the moment that the Reds' uh, back line and, and, well, really the whole Reds' 15 just aren't quite gelling as a unit at the moment. And they've had so many changes with Jock in and out and Paisami in and out and Vunavalu mm. as well in and out. They haven't really strung a lot of games together as a cohesive unit. And so I just don't think that they're using their wingers as effectively as they could be. Vunovalu, for example, he's getting himself involved in the game, so that's why he's popping up there and getting the short ball because he's putting himself there and making sure they give him the ball. They need to actually get the ball to him in space. They need to be kicking to him, uh, contestable kicks in the air or, or putting him into space, which they're just not quite doing at the moment. So yep. I think that's a big learning curve for them next year. I think, I think too that's a per, sorry, and yeah. no, you you
3: that's, you that's go. a personnel thing as well. Like they're without Tupo, who's a big power runner for mm. them. Uh so other than like so they've got to use Vunavalo as a gain line guy. I mean, Paisami punches above his weight, but he's really not that sort of player. Yeah, he's not that um, big. he's not that big. When like people compare him to Mar and it's like Mar is a lot bigger than Paisami every little
2: bank. Yeah.
3: And a few inches as well. Like, he's yeah. a lot taller. Um, so, they're not those sort of guys. So, without Tupel on the field and without, like, no lock, uh, no lock, uh, Lucan, Solakai, Loto, like, they lost, they weren't without, like, their only real ball, big ball carrier was Harry Wilson. That's right. So, they need a line bender. And Vunavalu is that. He's a big body. Like, he's a big winger. And he's a powerful yeah. runner yeah. that he can bend the advantage line. He's still going into contact
2: in those instances way too high and gets turned over quite easily. Well, that's just experience. That is, yeah, that's That's
0: just experience in rugby. Yeah. All right, let's keep on rolling. Um, Doctor Joshua Yuvraj has got in touch. Uh, How do we fix the mistakes? And these mistakes he's referring are the kind of constant handling or turnovers that some of the Australian teams demonstrated across the weekend. Uh, It's honestly so frustrating and systemic, time after time, watching an Aussie team. I'm interested to see what you boys think. And he also wrote an article on theraw.com.au about this too. Um, I'll put in my quick thoughts. Uh, Just quickly, Joe, did you read the article?
3: Uh, Brief, I skimmed it. Okay, yeah, it was and basically stop making mistakes. Yeah, I, was, yeah. was what I
2: was my takeaway. So, yep. I, yeah, yeah, I read it, I Josh. It was a great. <laughs> I actually thought it was a great article, and okay, we'll cool. share on our socials if anyone know, does want to read it. Yeah.
0: So, my point within this, I actually, so, so the main thing is talking about uh, consistency and playing to a game plan and making sure that that's. Um, the guide by which the players are executing their individual actions or involvements out in the field, and also in addition to that, um, develop the skill base of players so they're just not doing as many kind of unforced errors. I think that's too simplistic a comment to say without talking about how players get to the point of not being able to commit those types of errors. And for me, it all comes down to the number of games in a high quality environment that the players are playing. And a 14, 13, 14 round um, season is far too short for the vast majority of players who aren't then going to be going on to the international scene and playing within the mid-year internationals and then the kind of end of year tours as well, or the rugby championship, then end of year tour. And so what I think, and they're looking into this partly with the establishment of the Australia A system. I've seen um, uh, Michael Atkinson talking about this as well, that there are some plans or there's the knowledge that there needs to be more four players to be playing um in in this gap now because like a player like tane Edbert he's probably not going to get caught up into the wallabies he might probably won't um what's he going to play if he sure doesn't I play am. australia A? let's <laughs> pretend that that's not oh, australia will be what four games yeah um four games until well, three. february three or four games until february that's six months yourself. plus that he's not going to be playing high-level professional rugby at. Yeah, he'll get some shoot-shield involvement with Eastwood most likely, but that's still not the same. And so we need to be looking at things beyond uh, what is currently offered. Um, And in my mind, that's the answer to it. Mitch, your quick comments on this before we continue to move on? I did
2: like the the point he makes around um, creating a culture of it not being good enough to accept failure um, in a way of, we need to start young and create a, a pathway for the players that when you're playing under 10s, under 11s, under 12s, and you're being coached, that if you drop the ball, it's not that's all right, mate. You tried hard. Let's do it again. It's no, that's not good enough. You don't drop the ball. And we create that expectation young so that by the time the players are 16, 17, they have well-developed skill sets and they're getting into senior footy with the expectation that it's not good enough to drop the ball. If I drop the ball, I'm going to get roasted by, the referee, uh, by my coaches, so... I just need to not drop the ball and create that different mindset there Um, and that's something that we just currently don't have we just don't have cohesion through the development pathway at the moment so someone that's starting playing rugby now in the under sixes under sevens has this this same uh, message conveyed to them across the years as they grow up that they need to be playing not so much the Australian way but just that the skill set and the Uh, the way that we approach the skills in the game of rugby need to be at a different expectation than what it currently is.
0: Yep. Okay, let's keep on rolling forward. And we're going to shift now to uh, Rev on the Rugby Fixation podcast. Thanks for the question, Rev. Hope everything is well with the fam. Which team's performance from the quarterfinal was most disappointing and whose was the most impressive? So, uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you. Whose was the most disappointing? Oh. Um. So basically, reds know. or Waratahs. No,
3: North I Islanders. reckon the Crusaders should have won by more. Okay, okay, so, that's, an that's
0: interesting disappointing.
3: Rate. Yeah, like that Reds team weren't like isn't a good side. Like I don't mean that disparagingly, but like that that should have been a lot bigger scoreline. And like the Crusaders, by all means, played well, but they probably. I don't know whether they just sort of knew that they could sort of had it in hand, but, you know, it probably wasn't quite as imperious as it could have been. Yeah, There's certainly a step up, like it, the game as a whole was better than the week before, but maybe that, I mean, yeah, obviously like it's probably the Waratahs. Like they were probably going in as the genuine team to make a, as, to be able to cause an upset. Um, and they were a bit of a disappointing based on where, you know, you're hoping that they might be able to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, just as a bit of a zag. Maybe the Crusaders might yeah. walk away from that and go, you know what? We probably should have put that team away by a lot more. Interesting and a lot take. earlier,
0: yeah. yeah. And a lot <laughs> earlier.
3: Yeah, and probably just more a lot earlier. Like that game should yep. have been put to bed at halftime, maybe. But yeah. All
0: right. Mitch, who's the most impressive then? Most impressive,
2: uh, we'll have to go to the Brumbies, right? I mean, beat yeah, down the player, red card in the twentieth minute, and then to come back. And, and put on, what was it, 20 to four? 20 in to three, half. three. 20 to three, yeah. So massive, massive performance. Um, yep. My most disappointing one will go to the Highlanders. They're the only team in the whole quarterfinals that didn't score a try true that's a very so good wasn't very good expecting shout. them to do anything though. <laughs> no we weren't <laughs> yeah. i mean we the bar was low and they were disappointing in that low bar yeah. <laughs> like yeah bar out yeah. i reckon i right. would have scored a try in that game
0: we're going to move on to the next part of rev's question which is If It stands to reason that a lot of the players from the three Aussie quarterfinal teams would make the Wallabies and largely Brumbies. So which Rebels and Force players do make the cut looking forward to the Wallabies squad? So, no, no, no. We're just saying the Wallabies squad, Um, I'm I'm assuming. Four Rebels. Yeah, so when when you're looking at the Rebels lineup, (laughs) um, you've basically (laughs) got – I'm going to read these out and you tell me if there's anybody I've missed, Okay. So for the Rebels, it's Matt Phillip, Rob Leota, Reese Hodge, and Andrew Kellaway as yep. the four. Um, and Enjoyed then f- <laughs> no, and then for the first'll it is Isaac Rodder and maybe Feliti Kaitu would be the two. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm
3: not sold on Kaitu. He was yeah. he's, he's come dipped of, in the I think he's half. been he's been playing her, but he's dipped off towards the end of the year. So yeah. It, that's a bit of a question mark. Like you could tell me it was Fajangar and Lonigan might be both in there or something like that to go yeah. with correct
0: Yeah. Or, I don't rate Lonegan yet. He's great in attack, but doesn't do the other elements of his role effectively. Might, might be Billy
2: Pollard. Go yeah, I think, bro. Uh, I think mm. I do. Yeah. Not, mm. not perform well in the force this year, but I think his his best game is up there. I think he's, yeah. he's got that ability to play that well. And, and we did see that with like Rob Liotta last year, for example, yeah, So-so yeah. season with the Rebels comes into the Wallabies and all of a sudden he's starting six and we're like, where's this guy been? So yeah, know, I think yeah. Kai Tu'u has the ability to lift four internationals and I think Dave Rennie and the coaches, yeah. the Wallabies coaches, will be able to lift him up to that level. So yeah. would not be I surprised think, to see him there.
0: I think injury-free, your hookers are going to be Pareki and Fingar. Um and then the third one in the squad may well be may well be Lonigan because of his previous experience within the I squad. I reckon Lonigan plays A um, though. That's the yeah, yeah, I'd rather that. I would rather that too. Yeah, yeah. that's that's perfect for him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, if you if you wanted to get a younger player, um, playing a then, yeah, put one again in there and probably, um, Kai too. In bolter in for the
2: wallabies ed craig straight out of shoot shield oh, oh in
0: how there. good um let's go on to the next question luckily the, i'm from kirando luckily the brumby scraped through otherwise it'd be yet another week where we're debating all the cards and penalties and paul williams missing multiple knock-ons before the first try by the hurricanes i Look, mean we've great. already covered
2: all of those That's things fine. anyway let's move so on still one and we yep. did complain about
0: them <laughs> <laughs> okay ash carolan on twitter I am a bit disturbed by the consistent inconsistency around all things being refereed. I'm old enough to recall this happening in the mid-90s. It's been a changing of the guard thing from Oz dominance and perception to New Zealand dominance. Now it's headed back again. So, Mitch, quick comment on this one. We've spoken about refereeing a fair bit in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Quick comment, then we'll move on.
2: So is Ash saying that that the dominance is shifting back to Australia from New Zealand now?
0: He seemed to be implying that. I wouldn't oh, have said that shift has happened love yet.
2: Love it. No, I love it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> if you look at my tips this week, I was a bar the Highlanders. I went for the uh, all the Aussie teams and might do it again this week. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> All the Aussie teams as in one. Um, yeah, oh,
2: good. I've, I've, all the Aussie teams I picked this week and all the Aussie teams are available this week. I'll pick them again. So,
0: yeah. Um, in Queensland, isn't it? This hamilton is exactly island right. it's yeah that's yep, where the point. Chiefs are from yep. um on, on that point though from ash i do think that um we, we've spoken about it and i think a lot of people have spoken about it. it's a perception issue around quality of new zealand rugby and a lot of that is deserved in terms of thinking new zealand rugby is good and so 50 50 calls go their way uh we just need to be better enough to overcome those calls in the short term and to be able to over the next few years be changing that perception. Ivan Gavazov, who's a massive Brumbies supporter. Uh, losing banks leaves a big gaping hole for Australian fullback stocks. No other fullback has his qualities. Pattaya is a talent, granted, he's a work in progress. However, without any significant body of workers yet. So ditto Jock Campbell, is a good player, but similar to Jordan Pattaya, not international mm. standard yet. So there's not a question, it's a statement. We might just leave that on the, you know what Joe, I'll ask you this question. Um, does Banks start at fifteen for Wallabies against England? Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, and then moving into the Rugby Championship, do we keep him on? Curtly. Curtly straight into fifteen. If he's back, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I Will mean, he not be I, back don't, for
3: or, I don't. I yeah. don't. Like, sorry. Uh, theoretically, he might be theoretically. He might be. Well, he's think, not been playing. He's been out with a hamstring injury because yeah. he's old. So he's in the same problem that O'Connor's in. Is that the bodies are now failing them? Um, I mean he could potentially be. I mean technically Banks is eligible cuz he's contracted yeah. until November or something whenever yeah. it is. So I mean yeah like they could in theory keep him on if Beal does bodies no good. I think they'll keep him on but Yeah I don't, I don't know. I don't it's we'll it's such him. a it's such a He's just better than, like I mean
1: mm. yeah, yeah.
3: It's yeah. such a hard position and it's he's playing really well. So it's sort of like this catch twenty-two, where I don't know. There's just yeah, it's easily yep. our. I think it's easily our worst position.
2: And just stick Reese Hodge there, and we'll, we'll be fine.
0: Well, Hodges playing
2: yeah. <laughs> too bad. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah he's he's improved in the latter half of the season. I think yeah. it's Tom Banks, then Reese Hodge, and then like alarm bells um if, if anything happens to either oh, of them but we do need to keep I'll on put going the boots with... on and i'll do
2: it Jeez, it's <laughs> so done, we're gonna move now Stop to ringing. a question
0: for you mitch about uh from vintage red 25 who yeah. asks given that the aussie team seem to be on a receiving end and some close calls by referees so he whisked the penalty count do they have a technique problem at the breakdown
2: i think at the moment what we're seeing is that the new zealanders are just attacking the breakdown a lot and they are having a lot of impact at the breakdown whereas the Australian teams particularly the Waratahs this weekend just didn't seem to um they were slow yeah they were slow to the breakdown they just didn't seem to have an answer there they allowed the Kiwis to get on top of them they allowed the Chiefs to to come across in defense and to to uh, contest the ball push them off their own ball come in from the side lie all over the ball and the breakdown and, and slow it down there so they weren't they weren't picking up that momentum. They weren't picking up the pace of getting to the breakdown, clearing out, securing the ball and playing quickly. And that just fed into the Chiefs' hands. And what en- what ended up happening was that the Chiefs would then get to the breakdown quickly because they knew that they could do that and they were getting turnovers. And then the Waratahs were trying to get the ball back and giving away penalties. So that's what also fed into, um, like by not releasing and those sort of things, that's what fed into the Chiefs' hands. With All of a sudden, you're looking mm. at three mm. points as an option instead of just losing the turnover.
0: Final question, coming in from Matthew Sterling. I'm sending this one to you, Joe. How about Hooper for the Brumbies? Felt like he was almost tagging Surveyor and did so with aplomb. He's a potential bolter for the Wallabies. Who else is in the same bracket after the last couple of weeks? I'll start with the first part. Do you think he's a potential bolter for the Wallabies? Uh, No.
3: (laughs) No. He's Uh, good, but not yet. He's good, yeah. Aussie A. I'd have him in the Aussie A squad. Uh, But no, I think the... The loose forward mix for the Wallabies is pretty well bedded down and pretty deep, to be honest. So I don't see him getting in there, and he's not really had done enough work in the second row, which is his normal position as well, to sort of warrant getting in on that yep. spot. I I love. For, I think he deserves higher honours. Australia is a great avenue for that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't seem yeah, taking like yeah. Rob Leota's spot in the squad yeah, or cool. anything like that, yeah.
0: Good call. And then the second part, um, Mitch, if there was someone that you're saying is a bit of a bolter for the Wallabies squad, um, not for the match day 23, mm. but just for the wider squad, after maybe the last month of games, who is it and why?
2: Look, I don't know if, if he technically uh, is categorised as a bolter, but Vunavalu has come into some good form. So I think he... Is starting to justify his selection in earlier squads. Um, But a player who is not currently in the squads and I think would do a lot for his game would be Tane Edmund. I think he'd learn a lot. Yeah, Similar to Will Harrison last year when he got pushed into the Wallaby squad and didn't do enough to get selection in the 23, but learned so much and had a pretty improved start to 2022 for the Waratahs. So I think just getting Tane in that environment and around it uh, would do wonders for his game and for his just his growth and his attitude and mindset. Uh, but at the same time, I would love to see him get some game time for Australia A as well.
3: I, I, oh. For me, uh, sorry, a bolter would be, I think, for Faketi. Like as yeah. for the actual England series and being in the squad and maybe even the Twenty Three, depending on injuries and the like. Yeah, like I think Zen he could. Stuff. Yeah, like I think he could be right in there as a like as a. Bit more of a genuine belter for this series. Like I think Ed Med will be in the Australia A squad yeah. initially, yeah. and then it's just whether or not they get that Super Rugby A series off the ground or not. Mm. And if they get that off the ground, mm. he probably goes and plays that. If he doesn't, yeah. then yeah, by all means, come into squad, hold some tackle pads, and get around
0: some pretty high class coaching and come off players the bench
2: against Argentina later in the year. Yeah, maybe yep. even, yeah. Although
0: both those games are away, so that's con- they're, they're going to be really challenging matches, actually, because of the home crowns, the laser and pointers and everything like that that comes out. Yep. Um, anyway, guys, too. we've been going for nearly two hours. We need to stop. Oh, yeah. um, so go- this has been so much fun. Mitch, thank you so much for being here. Joe, thanks again for coming on the pod. Great to thank have you here. Thank you for having on. me. Cheer all things Brumbies. So... Yeah. Hopefully, we might have to get you on next week if you've got good things to celebrate. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Um, But either way, ladies and gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to tune in to the Walrus at 12.30 today if you're listening to it on Monday. It is going to be a cracking match. Get behind the girls and support them. Put your love out on all the social platforms so they know that you are out there cheering them on and can't wait to watch the semi-finals this coming weekend. So thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful week and we'll catch you later. Bye. Bye.